Hey, yo, this is Don Pacino, the Puerto Rican terrorist, Napalm representative, man, rocking with Insomniac Magazine. You already know, since 96, we've been getting down, baby. Hello, my name is Israel. I've been involved in hip-hop since the 1980s as an artist, producer, radio show host, journalist, documentarian, magazine editor, hip-hop advocate, and pundit. Over the years, I've interviewed hundreds of interesting people in music, media, and more. Welcome to Sounds from the Underground, the podcast from Insomniac Magazine, where we learn from both those who reside below the surface and those who've breached it. Don Pacino's accomplishments go back well over two decades when he solidified his place in music history as part of hip-hop's royal family, the Wu-Tang Brethren group known as Killer Army. During his career, he's toured the planet, appeared on TV and film, and has maintained a dedicated fan base. Since those early days, he launched his label, Napalm Records, and continued his momentum by releasing a slew of impactful projects. In this discussion, the lyrical powerhouse shares insight into his life in the music industry, lessons learned, and his most recent endeavors. It's time to get into the trenches with rhyme vet Dom Pacino. All right, so I have veteran hip-hop practitioner Dom Pacino in the house. What's happening, Dom? What's going on, brother Israel? Good, man. You Doing know, I'm good. over here just, just grinding, man, trying to stay uh, corona-free, man. That's about it, bro. <laughs> That's it. That's all you can do right now, right? Exactly. You know no question. I mean? But you, but you're being productive and, and keeping busy. Talk to me a little bit about what you've been up to these uh, last few weeks on the quarantine. Man, just working on two projects right now, man. I got uh I got the Soldiers Need Love Two album. Um, that's gonna be uh directed towards relationships and just all kinds, you know, female activity and just relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that happens. That see the Soldiers Need Love Two concept is that, you know, dudes know me for spitting that hardcore militant shit, you mm-hmm. know, hip hop, whatever. But there's another side to soldiers too. They come home from war and they gotta go to get with their wifeies and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Shit like that. So I'm giving them a different side of things, you know what I mean? And it's got a lot of dope soul beats, and the production is crazy, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to be one of those that's just all some lovey-dovey talk. It's going to be real cons, real concept-driven and relationship-based, you know, right. scenarios. Like, where people can feel it. Plus, you got that soul, you know? It'll be like the, the equivalent of, say, like, production uh, on the B album from uh, uh, Common, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that, the way that grabs you, like that kind of shit. Right. But, you know, but me doing my thing, you know? my way then i got the t4 i got the t4 coming too that's gonna be in the winter so i'm working on i'm like you know halfway through both of them right now you know very nice and you mentioned that you know the relationship tip and i'm old enough to remember the days when you know you had an artist named lo cool j was -hmm. brand new to the game and and dropped i need love and even though it was a love even though it was a relationship it was a love record it was still authentic and it was still solid right so what what happened to that You know, I always try to keep, I always try to sprinkle, I think, you know, because I'm from that old school era with, you know, real hip hop and how, you know, the, I, I would like to say the the elements that you would bring to an album. You know, mm-hmm. you always had a story. You know, if you go all the way date back to all the greats, you know, they always had a story mm-hmm. on the album mm-hmm. and they always had a love song. You know, it was one love song, one story at least, mm-hmm. minimum, on mm-hmm. an album. And then you had your regular, whatever their, their craft was, whatever they specialized in. But right. It was, you know, and I think a lot of cats kind of just, dropped off that you know they i don't know if it's some uh 
dudes ain't in touch with their uh you know with, with their, their, their 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 love side or their soft mm-hmm. side or emotions mm-hmm. or stuff so I, I like to still put that and incorporate that into all my music right but this one's just going to be completely concept driven and you know to give nice. them a bunch of those yeah right. so no i feel you though yeah i think i don't know what it is man dudes it's just you know i, I think they lost that, that yeah that touching it yeah there's something know? to be said about you know really having that diverse sound you know and people seem to get locked in a specific zone and they never move from that zone mm-hmm. speak speaking of that you know it was kind of interesting that i have to you know give you some deep props for besides obviously coming correct early on bringing that real hip-hop vibe with killer army but even beyond that they had that moment and I don't know if it's because they 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 kind of are dependent on that marketing machine of the label or yeah. maybe they kind of just lost that hunger because they had some success. But you never stopped like you've been in the game now for over 20 years and you've been yeah. consistently dropping material. Talk to me a little bit about that drive and that passion and, and what you feel it is that's kept you motivated all these years mm. when so many people kind of fall off. Well, yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely a drive, man. It's a deep passion. You know, uh, music's my first love and everything like that. And um, way back on, I think the second Kill Army album, which was Dirty Weaponry, and it was a song called The Shootout. I said, I'm always keep my fans. I made a vow to the fans on that track. I said, I'm always keep my fans fed. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually following through and keeping my word. You know, mm-hmm. where a lot of dudes say things, you know, in songs, and it's just, you know, I'm actually, and, and my, my fans love me for that. And with that, I galvanized a real hardcore uh, fan base with that uh, would, would enable me to keep going. True. Because there's times where I felt deterred too, because when you don't have that label backing no more and you were accustomed to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you had these budgets, you know, we had a, your first budget, you know, was was the first, first budget we had for our first album was very, very cheap budget. You know, we did that shit. They were taking a chance and seeing, you know, what could happen with us. And we ended up selling really well. I mean, even the single went 126000 on the, uh, what's, what's called the um, Renegade single, which is great numbers, you know, for a yeah. single, especially at that time. And um, then the album came out and we cracked the top 10 billboard. And, you know, you got to be doing good numbers to do that, you know, so that that's all and then that's when we got the half a million dollar budget you know what i mean for the second album now they were like all right use our household name after the first one and then priority wanted to do another one with us you know and and you know and then we got picked up by loud for the third one because priority crashed and then loud was crashing at the time it was a bad so we didn't do as great on the third album you know but the first album was definitely uh this first and second album did great great numbers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh my drive yeah man just the passion for the music man and just knowing that nobody's going to do it for me, you know what I mean? And, and I got to do this myself. So I taught myself how to, you know, record, how to work the, 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 you know, do the engineering, the pro tools, everything else like that. And, and just, and said, you know, got my studio, you know, got mm-hmm. my home's crib, uh, my, my studio in the crib and just said, listen, I'm just going to keep pumping out music because the fans tend to, you know, keep copying it and supporting and loving it. And, you know, as they kept seeing me do it, I kept seeing it grow and grow and there's more support. Yo, we love what you're doing. You're keeping that killer army thing alive and all that. And, you know, really it's just keeping that militant hip hop alive that, you know, that, that, that inspired me to do this in the first place. You know what I mean? You you said, you know, the militant vibe, the, the authentic kind of hardcore, in many ways, very New York kind of vibe. What do you think it is that once upon a time, you know, that was the prevailing sound when people thought hip hop, that's really what they were thinking. Like right. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. and granted, you know, hip hop has gotten huge where, you know, it's this massive umbrella. 
kind of like rock and roll, right? I mean, rock yeah. and roll has heavy metal, it has hardcore, the indie rock, or the alternative yeah. rock, yeah, indeed, you know, grunge, yeah. etc. But yeah. you know, but for some reason, when it comes to hip hop, the quote unquote authentic sound has taken a significant backseat, and in many ways, mm-hmm. has almost become the underground in other words it's not like the sound change it's Mm. more like people almost kind of disregarded to some oh this is below this is not necessarily you know the what what hip-hop is today talk to me a little bit about that or do you agree with that i think that's all attributed to numbers Mm -hmm. so when they started doing when puffy started making that conversion with the shiny suit era as everyone knows it you know with the mace and all of that and the numbers started you know inflating like you know it was, dudes were selling massive amount of records because they weren't only just getting what the what the quote-unquote uh golden era was doing with just kind of like street music it was hip-hop it came from the streets that was kind of crossing over to the female demographic mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it was like we're doubling up on sales now we're getting females to love it they like these guys in these leather little shiny you know suits and all that you mentioned the, the shiny kind of blinged out Mm-hmm. space that uh you know obviously puffy was responsible for ushering in and blowing up but you know you mentioned mace even that crew you know they had they had some lyrics but for some reason we've also yeah. stripped the lyricism out of at least a lot of mainstream hip-hop once upon a time yeah. mainstream hip-hop you know they still had yeah. that substance yeah Talk to me see about that, that was the transition though see that was the early stage they didn't just go left field and, and they still incorporated lyrics in that shiny mm-hmm. suit shit you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying now it became where you don't even have to have bars no more like it's just you know that's just i guess evolution man the evolution of hip-hop you know what i mean and it's unfortunate because like i can't even like when dudes are like oh you heard this new little this one or young mm-hmm. I can't, nah, I can't, I can't do it. First of all, I can't, I can't even rap on those trap beats, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't because it's just not my forte. You right. know what I'm saying? I just can't do it. And it's like, are some of those joints dope? Like the production, some of them be killing yeah, the yeah. production, but it's like, I can't, I can't rap to it. You right. know what I'm saying? And then if I did make that transition, my fans would completely turn their back on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, that's not him. Oh, he switched it up. Now he's trying to, nah. So it's just. It's kind of like crazy, but you know, I like to keep to the, the the thing that when you when you when you are familiar with an artist and you're a fan and you've been following them for years, like if you go, it's, it, I like to take it out outside of that and we'll do it. So, Sade, you go to put a you go to buy a Sade album, mm-hmm. you know she's gonna give you that melodic, you know, pain driven, like just that kind of like deep vibe on her her music. You go to buy her for that. You don't go buy uh, a, a Rihanna, you know, looking mm-hmm. for a Sade type mm-hmm. of vibe. You go get Sade for that. So I'm just conti- I'm gonna stick to my guns and do what I do because there's fans that have been following me, and then what I do brings back memories. Well, I told my dude, music becomes timeless because people don't just mess with their older artists that they've been rocking with. They mess with them because they get that vibe that they had when they had those memories when they were 16 on the bus going to school smoking weed with their boys or whatever. It brings you like a time capsule of music. Mm -hmm. So it brings you that vibe. It gives you those chills. It brings you those memories that come along with that. So I'm going to continue to, you know, give those cats the the, the memories and the vibes when the golden era was reigning. You mentioned Sade. And and what's interesting about that is, you know, here's an artist that's been in the game since the 80s. Yeah, and uh, she—I mean, talk about a diehard fan base! Like she release yeah. in some cases, she release like an album every I don't know ten years, yes. but those fans are still there. Still going to get it. And yes. there's something to be said, I think, about having 
you know, those fans that have been there in many ways from the beginning and you kind of cultivated <laughs> that connection that as opposed yeah. to the kind of easy come, which we see so much in music in general, easy come, easy go kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's it's, it's important, man, because, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a form of validation, man, that you, you're doing, you know, you're doing the right thing. You know, you, you're still making good music, you know, when they continue to, you know, support you and, you know. Fans is, man, you know, shout out to all the fans out there, man, because they're the best, man, especially my, my, my tribe of fans, man. Them dudes, I mean, I mean, they reach out to promoters for me and, and, and CC me in the emails like, yo, Don P's great. We got to have him at the venue, you know, like mm -hmm. crazy wild things. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, even even if they their friends own a couple of record stores in London, they, they reaching out to me and like, yo, my friend got 12 chains out here. You know, I'm going to plug you in. Don't worry. It's just I'm not trying to get no money. Like, they just want to support that mm -hmm. to that degree. And that, you know, <laughs> it's priceless, man. That's right. It really is. You know, someone like yourself, you've been in the industry now for over 20 years, and you've seen different levels and stages and obviously the heights of it and and you you started at a time where hip hop you know had been around for a good you know at least a recorded medium had been around for well over a decade however it was still kind of in the early days of what it was becoming as far as you know new york really coming into its own in the 90s as you mentioned you know getting signed to a label like priority that was killing it but still them kind of you know being easy up front with the budgets to make sure that, you know, they were going to get their return. Tell return, me a little bit yeah. about how the industry has changed from the days of having that type of those types of resources behind you, those kind of budgets behind you, including radio uh, to moving toward the independent side uh, when i say independent priority technically was independent but it really wasn't right Nah, it was it was pretty much they had major backing Indeed. you know it was it was i mean they had snoop dogg and them over there they had uh no limit at the time mm -hmm. and everything you know it was it's a lot of big money that was getting funneled through there um the game just made a you know like i said i've been around from the cassette you know i, I didn't come around with the with the uh what came before the cassette, the eight tracks and all that. We didn't come into that era, but we came with the cassette and the cassette turned into the CD. And then the CD now is, is almost obsolete, which I'm still doing building mm -hmm. CDs, you know, you know, but that's only because my fan base has a whole collection of CDs. They got the mob deeps, the Nazis, the Wu-Tangs mm -hmm. and, and the killer armies. And, and so they want to continue to add to that. Cause it's more of a collective thing that mm -hmm. you can still, you know, capitalize on. But, um, yeah, man, it's, just, and now it's digital. You know, mm -hmm. now, now everything's digital, which these companies are ripping us off, man, with these streams, you know, like I don't even option in for like Spotify at mm -hmm. this point because the fans are just basically to listen to your album for, for pennies mm -hmm. and you get pennies when they listen fractions of pennies when they, when they do stream it, it's not really working for the artists, man. They got to come with something new. So I option out of that situation. You know what I mean? It's like you you, you go buy my, my, my material or not, but if I'm not worth the dollar a song, then, you know, then I get out the business thing, you know what I'm saying? Of it. Indeed, indeed. I think I think in many ways it seems like this new standard of consumption is is kind of a promotional vehicle for most artists simply because as you said, it's not like they're making any significant I mean unless you're a Drake, you're, there's no you gotta significant do, yeah, money. You got to do wild numbers, yeah. Right. You got to do wild streams right. to make cash. These, you know, 
Yeah. Indeed. Now, and it shows. It right? shows as what. So they use it. What the tool is to use that as a promotional tool, like you said. And then hopefully you can get some shows off of that. And, and that's where you make your, your, your bread. You know? Indeed. You mentioned streaming. You mentioned CDs. And you mentioned, you know, selling, which which seems more and more like some people at least think it, it's a thing of the past. But obviously yeah. your band camp is fully equipped with all yeah. kinds of releases yeah. and you could you could download uh, actual digital music there right i mean it's, yeah. it's people will yeah. stay if you have fans they will still pay for oh, yeah. the digital download and obviously as you mentioned the cds <laughs> tell me a little bit about that well, I don't sometimes at this point, man, it's so rough out here. I don't be wanting to drop my jewels on how, how I, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I ain't trying to help these dudes. They ain't trying to help me. I had to figure out a way to uh, capitalize off this. But yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm doing okay, man, in that right, man. And dudes get a, it's everything's an illusion, man, you know, out here. You know, you got dudes that got wild followers and this like that. And they ain't really capitalizing off the music business. You got dudes that might not look like they're doing so great, but they're actually making more. But that's the business game anyway, mm-hmm. with anything. Mm-hmm. They got vloggers right now, right? Which I was, you know, I'll be studying these dudes, dude, because they're making bank right now on YouTube. They got dudes, and, and one of the vloggers even said it, you know, because they get these sponsors. Like, you know, they're doing the uh, reviews on different materials mm-hmm. and different, you know, equipment. And they were like, you know, I got more followers than these other guys, but this guy's just doing more better, you know? Mm-hmm. They're getting bigger sponsors than me and stuff like that. And that's... You just really got to learn. You got to analyze the game, man, and try to make, you know, the best moves you can possibly make to capitalize. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm constantly coming with new. My dudes call me up for advice, man. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to start having to charge people, man, for the for, for, for the <laughs> for the advice at this point, you know, consultation uh, fees. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's uh, it's real. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the fans, I was I was, I was blessed enough to be in the game and, and I was uh, very rigorous with my 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 approach and, and keep dropping product and keeping them and once they feel comfortable and another thing is your customer service got to be off the hook mm. man like a, a fan got a problem you got to respond and you know the cds got lost or the, just you just got to be up on it you know you take care of them and once they feel comfortable purchasing with you because they know they always get it get mm-hmm. it in a timely fashion they're gonna stick with you man Mm-hmm. They're gonna stick with you. A lot of these dudes, they put up their stuff, their band camps or whatever, and then they they hit me up. Yo, I bought I bought a CD from. Thing. Am I gonna get my CD because I still haven't got my CD from six months ago? I purchased from this guy. Mm. I was like, Nah, over here, Napalm, man, you're gonna get your stuff. You're gonna get it in a timely uh, manner, and you're gonna be happy with it. You know. Nice. And nice. and once they buy and they see it now. Dude, they put their friends on and mm-hmm. they're buying. I'm talking about I got dudes that buy ten albums at one time. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about digital. I'm talking about physicals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? One package. Right. And and it's it's like it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I just I, I found a little niche in that. You know what no I mean? No question. And, and and the thing that dudes are killing themselves with is they putting they, they stuff out, right? And they putting the digital out. And what they fail to realize is once that goes digital and they stream and people can listen to it for free, mm-hmm. or you put it on Spotify, all this. Mm-hmm. And if they even put it digital without putting Spotify and streaming services, one one of your fans buy it mm-hmm. and then they post it and put it on on um torrents and everyone's listening to it for free. So nobody's actually buying it after the first day or two because it's already been leaked. That's it. You feel me? No question. So you gotta you gotta you know, I found a couple of little ways to to to, to maneuver uh, around that. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. And what about what about the retail space, man? How about record stores? Are you still dealing with as an independent label? Are you getting your music inside of physical brick and mortar retail? Yeah, I mean, it's a few of them. Like I said, I got I got a few of them like overseas that I got my stuff in. Um, 
And, uh, we, you know, the fat, as you know, the fat beats and stuff, they kind of, you know, everyone went to online with the thing and mm-hmm. like that. So I, I personally, I sell all my stuff at my, I'm a one stop. Like you get mm-hmm. it. Even the wholesaler's got to deal with me directly. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. what happens is, see, this is an old thing I learned. I've been in this independent game as long as I have been dudes to buy, you know, I, I was doing business back in the days when the dot commerce, cause I was there when they did the uh, transition to dot commerce. So they would buy a box two boxes of CDs off of me. They'll sell them. I was doing really good with them. It was, it was a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting great checks. And then what happened is, is they were like, you know, they, they start buying less and less. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, am I like, my stocks are dropping or what? So what happens is they start pressing them shits themselves. Mm-hmm. You don't even know. You can't tell no more because they're already, you already sold them stuff. All they got to do is tell you, um, yeah, you're not doing as good no mm-hmm. more, but they're repressing and repressing. Are we still sitting on a box and a half from last time? But right. meanwhile, you ran through that box array. There's no way to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. So what I said is like, I end up, I had one company that I had maybe a couple of CDs left. I was like, what's the inventory over there? Since they weren't buying as much no mm-hmm. more, it was slowing down. I said, I'm going to buy everything back. Why? What's the matter? I'm going to buy it back. Don't worry. I'm going to mm-hmm. take it out. It's no problem. I bought my last couple of CDs back from them and I just did everything one stop. So mm-hmm. now nobody can bootleg me because I'm not available. If I see anybody selling my stuff that I don't do business with, which is nobody right now. Mm-hmm. So I was, I had my stuff on all the spots that cats would check for underground right. hip hop. Right, and, right. and I removed everything. Mm. You know what I mean? Because how can you control your, 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 you know, your music of you, you know, you got people selling it and you don't know what they're doing. And I'm not trying to, I'm not putting no names out with those no, particular course, guys and yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that, that they were doing that, but it was being done at, at some point, right. you know, with everybody, not just me. Right. And I just don't want to, I want to alleviate the thought or the mm. or possibility. Mm-hmm. How about that? You know what I mean? So that's what I did. And it worked for me. If, so, if people can only get your music from you, that's the best way to capitalize. There's nowhere else. And there's no excuse why not to get it from you. If you have that record of of, of, of them getting their music every time they buy it from you, mm-hmm. you're doing the customer service if they have problems, like I said. So that's kind of how I built my company up. Indeed. And there's a direct channel. I mean, obviously, direct. especially if you have real fans, they're coming to check for you directly on your sites mm-hmm. as opposed to waiting to hear about you from, you know, somebody else. You know what the killer is, too? Mm-hmm. The other jewel behind it is like I get all my mailing list. I get all the emails. Mm-hmm. I know the customers addresses when they when you buy them through those other companies, they keep all your intel. Those are people they get in their mail list, too, when they blast for their new. And it's not even your product. Mm-hmm. DJ Smooth will be coming out with something and they'll, be, they'll send a little with, with the fans that bought from you you feel mm-hmm. me that's on their mailing list now mm-hmm. you get to keep all your your you know your intel you know right this way it works for you it works for the for the indie this way you have mentioned the difference between indie and independent oh yeah you know you got indie and independent right so indie is the cast that got little they're going to uh little third-party distributors getting the stuff out there and then you got independent or oh, which is such as myself that does it, the manufacturing, the, the, you know, or everything's in house, the studio, the, the everything, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even to the point where now I'm doing the, the film thing and I'm, I'm, I'm editing my own videos. I'm shooting them. I got all my own equipment. I'm not uh, getting dudes to shoot my video and, you know, I'm doing mm-hmm. everything that's independent. Mm-hmm. That's truly independent. Mm-hmm. That's not indie. You have a plethora of music videos, plenty of content on YouTube which is a big part of success in, in today's environment. You got to be visual. Tell me yeah. a little bit about the the film side. What are you working on? What you got coming up? I got an indie film I'm working on right now called LOD. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the acronym for Lots of Dough. It's actually a song off my, one of my albums, Gemini Mind, which you know how people do movies and they say based off a true story or mm-hmm. based off a book. Mm-hmm. This one's based off a song. 
it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be my first uh film. I did two documentaries prior to this, Life of a Performer One and Life of a Performer Two, which is me traveling the world doing shows, showing another thing of my indie work. But I book all my shows also. Mm. Like I don't go through promoters. I, I connect with different guys in the area and I do all my deals. I don't got no management. I manage my whole company. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I got hands on everything. Nobody's gonna jerk me in between because there's no in between, no middleman mm-hmm. mm-hmm. with me. So, yeah, so that's pretty much, I'm really, you know, like I said, music's my first love, but film is is is, is my second love right now. So I'm very passionate about it. So that's what I've been concentrating on, and I'm making the transition more into that. You know, so that might be like the future of what I'm doing over here, you know, the Napalm Films uh, side of things. Right. Very you nice. Know, I really love it, man. I'm really into the film. I've always been a movie buff, but I'm studying, you know, that's all I've been doing. I've been taking this quarantine time to work on those two albums and study film. I mean, from the masters, you mm, know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, I mean, camera to, from ISOs to, you know, shutter speeds, you know what mm. I mean? I'm like, I'm into like everything, how the camera works and why it does what it does, you know, Very everything. Nice. Very nice. Talk, talk to me a little bit about some of your biggest lessons, if you don't mind sharing. I mean, being in the game during the, you know, the second, if you will, golden era of hip hop. And working with some of the most, um, I would say, legendary labels during that time, Priority and Loud, yeah. what would you say are some of the, the the gems that you got from your experience during that time? Oh, man, that's a... That's a that's, you know, that's like me going through a Rolodex of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just learned that, man, you know... The best way is just to be hands on. Whether you're working with somebody, just say some cats, they don't have that that uh that option of of doing everything independent at, at this point. So they're just starting up. Mm-hmm. So if you are, if you are getting a hand at the time, just be hands on with everything. Ask questions. You know, what's that? What's the, you know? And that's what I was. I'm I'm a sponge, man. The only way to get knowledge is to you know to observe. You know what I mean? And ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I I wanted to learn. The mechanics of a record label. So mm-hmm. I would talk to the publicists, the people who were doing all little write-ups mm-hmm. and getting us in uh, Source Magazine mm-hmm. and this and that. You know what I'm saying? I would talk to them and see their, their side of things or talk to the dude who's doing the shipping over here and who's the one who, you know, just all aspects of it. Just that's the only way to learn. So then when you do make that 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 transition to go independent, mm-hmm. you have all that all the key knowledge that you needed. You know what I'm saying? That you studied from the help that you were getting at that time. Right. And they can utilize it to your best potential. So... You know, that's what I just, I just try to, you know, learn. I learned, you know, I learned a lot from, from just doing that, asking questions and really sponging stuff up. You know what I mean? What would you say was some of your, your biggest lessons from touring? I mean, obviously with your origins in the Wu family and obviously having ties to so many of, of those cats and, and, and being on those, some of those records and working, you know, with RZA and all that, being able to tour globally. What would you say is some of your biggest takeaways from that, that experience, well, international well, see, experience? Well, see, I, I, you have to learn. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a bump on your head first. You know what I mean? Like mm. with that, I was, I didn't, I was more concentrated on how the mechanics of the record company worked at that time. So I wasn't really paying attention. See, that's my only fault at that point. Mm. As far as I wasn't, I wasn't bumping heads and shaking hands with the promoters that much. We were just going, doing our shows, go to the green room, get drunk, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't. So now 
that, you know, I've been doing it independently and all my big international tours I've done on my own. I haven't did with the group, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that now I'm like, I meet the promoters, we kick it, drink, we'll go eat dinner before the show. And I get these relationships now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of learned that on my second, you know, on Mm -hmm. my second run, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, going, going, going solo. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the jewels I learned. You know, you got to get relationships with these promoters and even the, the venues, you know, now I deal with certain venues directly where I know the owner of the venue. I don't even got to deal with a, a middleman promoter to, you know, get mm-hmm. the venue. Mm-hmm. And you do that by, like I said, you know, not everybody, you know, what, what you learn is you see a lot of clicks, right? And you wonder, a lot of people wonder, why is this guy the, 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 the brains of the operation, the leader or whatever they have you? Because everyone don't have a personality, a business personality. Mm-hmm. You know, some dudes, is, especially in hip hop, you know, we, we know for having that hardcore persona and, and street thing we incorporate with the thing. And some mm-hmm. dudes are really still living like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You could be an intelligent thug. You know what I mean? Dudes mm-hmm. don't know that you can, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you can, you have to have that personality, man, in order to, you got to be uh, just personable, man. And where the, the, the promoters like you and they know they can talk to you and they see you got a level head. That's right. So, I mean, that's, that's where I came in. I was like, you know, I know how to talk business. Everyone who did business with me, did good business with me, mm-hmm. you know, and they know I'm, a, I'm anal with the business. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm not, you know, you ain't going to get over on me, you know, we can work it out in between, but don't try to come at me with no craziness. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's been, you know, that's really been the whole jewel with the whole, uh, doing shows and stuff like that. You just really got to get relationships and go directly to the source. Right. Right. You know? It's like of you, of you, of you, you know, in this conversation, when, when they, when they listen to it, they're going to see, I keep saying, you know, direct, everything's direct, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. direct sales, direct relationships, because people wonder why they get jerked. They got that middleman in between there jerking you, you get, that, that money's touching a hand before you. And you don't know, well, you know, this dude got 3000 for your show. He's offering you 2000. He caught it when you could have came to me. See what I tell my dudes that want to get me shows and stuff. I got like, uh, you know. Um, dudes that work, you know, they're, they're private agents and they do their little stuff and they try to bring me shows. I'll be like, listen, you can make money with me. Everyone got to get money. I don't, I don't mind a dude doing the job and getting paid. Just tell me what you're getting. So I know that if we go work with them or we ain't scaring them away with the prices because there's promoters that might want to book me, right? And then you got the middleman giving the, trying to speak on my behalf and saying, oh, he wants this much only because this dude's being greedy and trying to get an extra rack. Meanwhile, you could have made a little 400, 500 off of it, dude. You're not stepping out the house. You're not getting on that mic or you're not traveling. But you, you feel me? But don't be going to representing me if you're going to inflate these charges to a degree where dudes ain't even booking me now because that's not working for none of us. You agree they ain't working for none of us. You know what I'm saying? So that's another thing. You know, everything's direct, man. I love that idea because that really is, in many ways, the true spirit of hip hop. You know, hip hop was it was born independent, right? Facts. As far as inspiration, what, what were some of your, your first inspirations in oh, hip hop? I'm gonna give my number one to Slick Rick, man. Nice. I know dudes, dudes don't give. Uh, I, I don't feel uh, Slick gets enough love. He see, he didn't even come with that hardcore shit. Mm-hmm. He was just a great storyteller, and his mm-hmm. melodies. He made people dance. You know, he wasn't even doing the shiny suit shit. But mm-hmm. look, it's still the. You know, if you hear Mona Lisa come on in the club, you going you going buck wild. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's he's just dope, man. His artistry, the way you know the. Hey, young world, young world, like everything is dope. So Slick was one of my favorites. Uh, Rock him, uh, Coogee rap. You know, I had to go with the street hardcore shit. Coogee's dope. Uh, you know, where he, he he gets busy. Big Daddy Kane, big inspiration. Those were my guys right there. 
And of course, you know, coming up, you know, as a young brother, woo, you know, watching them do their thing from where I come from and, and bringing that Shaolin style to it. That was my inspiration also. You know what I'm saying? But those were my earlier on before Wu-Tang was the Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, Rakim, uh, Kooji Rap. You would say those are the top, you know? Oh, and shout out to uh, Chub Rock. A lot of dudes don't forget about Chub Rock. Chub Rock was spitting some shit, bro. Like, he was really the first fat MC. You know how dudes say the biggie and give a bit. Yo, where's the where's the Chub uh, Rock love? Right. Chub was nasty, True. bro, with the, with the lyrics. No question. I think so many of those cats, I think it, it, they're, I don't know, their visibility or how people remember them, unfortunately, so many times, so many times is tied to the marketing that they got, right? Like mm-hmm. Slick Rick, I mean, we love Slick Rick, right? But Slick Rick was on Def Jam, which was obviously, you know, the king at that time. Mm-hmm. And then you had mm-hmm. someone like Chuck Rock, which I think was Select, you know, and yeah, obviously select. Yeah, he was on select. Yeah, wasn't yeah. getting the same kind of promotion, I think. So I, th- I think so many, so much of that is based on the marketing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely based on the marketing because Chubb could have been through the roof, but he had a smaller indie. You know, he was doing the indie route. So like was a major indie, you know, like um, they didn't have that money. And, and then the people who are running it didn't have that vision. Also, man, like I said, is the visionaries behind this. And, you know, Russ, Russ was a visionary, mm. man. He was a visionary. You know that. You mm. know, what I mean, he's he made one of the biggest hip hop companies in the world, man. So. You know, it was, it was the man behind it, too. We got to give credit to. He knew True. when he had an artist and he knew how he had to get him out there. Speaking of visionaries, I would I definitely have to ask you about RZA because here we are, you know, 20 something years later and we have all kinds of media that still proliferates on Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang's almost I mean, it is not almost it is a household name. Facts. What tell me? Tell me a little bit about that that marketing and branding genius that that is RZA. What what did you what did you get to see from the inside? Well, that that also you know helped out in what I, I was sponging everything up. Yeah, well that I'll tell you what, man. That logo had a lot to do with the branding, man, because it's mm-hmm. just a it's it's iconic. It's like a, a Batman logo. You know, you see a Batman mm-hmm. logo and. People don't even. You got people in in Germany that don't even know older women walking around with a Wu Tang shirt on that their their, their son might have bought them, and it's just mm-hmm. it, it stands out that much. You know, what I mean, it's just like that powerful when you see an old German woman wearing a Wu Tang shirt. It's like, mm-hmm. and that's the effect it had. The branding was very serious, and you know, it was real run and gun with Wu Tang. Man, I was there. We helped out, man. We did when they heard the first vinyls and uh, uh, tears and all of that on there, and, mm-hmm. and protect your neck. We were running around with the vinyls, giving them to the little local uh, record spots that we, you know, little um, college radio, wherever we were, mm-hmm. we were. We were promoting that, you know, putting the stickers up, you know, in the hood, you know, within the five boroughs, wherever we traveled when we were shorties. So mm-hmm. it was that run and gun, here, play our record thing. You know, we run up on a DJ, here, spin this. You know, it was like, they don't, that don't happen no more. See, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It was a different era. You know, some you know different strokes for different folks. That you 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 can't even you send a DJ your record now digital like he'll blow it off. You know, before mm-hmm. you were in his face with the vinyl, play this shit. You know, ten dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, it was more. <laughs> it was like yo, mm-hmm. play this now. Shotgun. It was like a shotgun play. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and that just don't exist no more, man. You know that element of it is gone. So that had a lot to do to the uh, the growth of Wu Tang, man. It was just so many of us out there spreading that word and that name, you know, that Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang, putting those stickers everywhere. And that was, you know, and as far as the him keeping it alive, man, once you got something that big, you know, you'd almost be stupid to let it die out, you know, when you know it's it's it's, it's a household name and a brand and you got a logo like that, you know. So I think he's been 
very uh he did a good job in keeping that alive and, 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 and you know uh, no keeping it pushing man and, and getting more deals for it and putting out the, the stories ill man you know nine brothers on the mic it came from projects man and you know from a, from a borough that's pretty much like a slept on borough a forgotten borough True. and True. To, to make it that far in hip-hop man you know but that's what passionate uh hip-hop does man when you know when you spread that word so it's just a beautiful thing man shout out to that's Lisa right for that. No question about that. So so let's talk a little bit about marketing today and, and what you got going on outside of your diehard fans that have a direct line to you and know exactly where to go. Tell me a little bit about some of the other things that you've been doing to further spread, you know, the word about not only Don Pacino, but also your label Napalm. Whatever I can. I got, I got the clothing line. So I got the Warheads uh, clothing line. Uh, that's been doing, you know, I'm almost sold out, man. I'm actually, you know, I got about six more, uh, hoodies and sweaters over here, man. So I'm about to be done mm. for the season with that, which is beautiful. So it worked out pretty much, you know, the way I wanted to mm -hmm. with that, um, between that and the videos, you know, staying active with the videos and just, you know, continuing to just promote, man, put, put the word out there. And the fans, like I said, the fans are uh, beautiful, man. Cause they, they, you know, I was able to galvanize the fan base that like, you know, we got that little turmoil thing with Kill Army. Everyone's talking about the Kill Army stuff and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I'm not part of that for mm -hmm. my, for, for a lot of reasons, man, that I was already mm -hmm. vocal on, you know. So I don't – at this point, man, it's it's not Kill Army no more with me, man. It's just Nate Palmer's Don Pacino. Nobody cried about it when Buster Rhymes went and did his thing mm -hmm. and left the leaders, of, you know, uh, his whole mm -hmm. crew and all that. No one even talks about that no more, you know what I mean? So people move on. People grow. People grow in different directions. and ain't nothing wrong with that especially mm -hmm. when they don't feel like they're getting their fair shake with certain things. And it's the same and the mentality is different. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I'm just doing what I do, what I got to do for my company, man. And I was blessed enough to have fans that are riding with me hard where they don't, they, 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 they don't even care if I'm, I'm part of that no more, you know, and not to take away. Cause I was a serious element in that, you know, not to say that I don't got love for the music I made with the group was beautiful music, man. Our albums is dope, man. Like I'm not, you know, that's not, that's, you know, I'm not coming from like in that, aspect of it i'm just saying it's not the same no more and you're gonna hear it in the music if you go pick up you know whatever got go they got going on right now you're gonna hear it you know no question no question <laughs> so as far as getting the word out i mean are you what what would you say is, is some of the uh the platforms that you build obviously you mentioned you don't do the traditional streaming platforms but what are some of the other platforms that you uh that you spent time kind of working your music and getting the word out well just the, pretty much the social medias man i mean I, I built it to the point where the music is selling itself right now man which is you know i mean i do the even i do i got the mailing list so i do the, the the blast with that i got the social media avenues that i use um and and pretty much that just that takes care of it that takes care of the 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 the, the you know for me at least and you know every 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 chance i get to to make a new uh uh, move or endeavor that's going to promote my music, I take advantage of it. And, you know, besides the shows, of course, well, right now we're sitting still. I had a couple of shows booked uh, in Canada and, and things had to, you know, it just messed up, you know, business got a little, you know, postponed. It didn't get, you know, but, you know, we're in, a, we're in uncertain times right now, man, with all this craziness. So, you know, shows ain't going down right now when we're on quarantine. So, you know, besides the shows, shows, shows is great, man, because you, you're, you're dealing with the fans again directly. You know, you get off that stage, you sign autographs, they buy CDs right there. They get to see you, you know, you know, 
It's, it's just one of those things, man. Seeing is believing for these guys sometimes. So they don't even know. They bring their friend with them, and he wasn't really uh, hip-hop. He listens to rock. But when he listens, he sees me on stage doing my thing, and everyone's going crazy, and he's feeling the vibe. He's like, wow, this guy's this guy dope. I just got a new fan. You know what I mean? So that's 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 definitely an important um uh, aspect of the whole music. You know what I mean? Live performances, man. So that's another way I get my stuff out there. But um, indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah. There's nothing more powerful than you know, like you said, seeing is believing. Nothing more powerful than actually being there in person and kind of just feeling the vibe. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing, man. It's great, you know what I mean. So let's talk a little bit about how folks could learn more about Don Pacino and what you got going on and follow the movement. If you don't mind for sharing sure. your for socials sure. and sure. websites and everything else, for sure. Um, PR Terrace at Twitter. Just PR Terrace, you know, one word at Twitter, um, Real Dom Pacino at Instagram. And uh, Napalm Dom, go subscribe to my channel, Napalm Dom. That's where all the videos going to come out. You know, anything that's coming out of the camp for me, my artist, Bugsy the Guard, you're going to catch that on uh, Napalm Dom YouTube channel. Go subscribe, you know, like, comment, whatever. And um, that's pretty much how you stay in tune. I got the Facebooks, too. I got the uh, Napalm Films uh, group on uh, Facebook. I got the dog, uh, Facebook.Don Pacino. That's my, I'm, I'm pretty much maxed out on there. So it's not like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I left, I left maybe three openings for, for, you know, so maybe some business, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I'm at that 5,000 mm-hmm. mark. So, you know, I, it really, I don't know about that, but they could always follow and like, you know, as far as the pages, I got the uh, Napalm Recordings uh, page on uh, Facebook and also the Terror Band page and also the PR Terrorist page on um, Facebook. So, those are all the social media joints that uh, people can go follow and, you know, um, nice. appreciate all the, you know, the love and, and support, you know, and definitely one love to the fans, man, for all the support throughout the years, man. Cause I couldn't have did it. I couldn't have stood alive and, and, you know, this long without them. No question. Thank you so much, man, for taking time and sharing your story and giving some insight into the world of authentic hip hop. Yeah, man. Well, thanks, Insomniac, man. And thanks, you, Israel, man, because I appreciate what y'all been doing, man, for the underground hip hop. And, you know, like uh, alongside what I'm doing, just keeping that real authentic hip hop alive, man, throughout whatever channels that we have at this point to do it, man. And, and that's very important because it, it, it makes a home for cats that still making this authentic hip hop. You know, you, you're allowing a. Uh, a platform for that man so that's you know big shout out to you guys man like i told you before it's not the first time you know i told you that but that you know big love and appreciation to you guys man and the longevity man staying in it this long you know what i mean you gotta sometimes you gotta pat your back on it on, on you know your own back man appreciate it man